0: Welcome to Evangel Church. Our mission is to bring people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com. God is good. God is good. We're so glad to have you with us this morning at Evangel Church. My name is Pastor Chris, and if you're new here, we welcome you. If you're just joining us, uh, man, God is doing a great thing, and we pray that you'll join us again next week, and you'll continue to be a part of all that God has in store for us. Uh, If you have your Bibles, you can open with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 is where we're going to be today as we conclude one series of messages. And uh, in two weeks, we're going to begin a brand new uh, message series that I'm excited to tell you about later on in today's message. Uh, But between this week and when we start our next series, we have next week, which is 4th of July weekend. And I want to tell you about next weekend because you don't want to miss service next weekend. We're going to be having a very special a very special service that we're going to be calling Let Freedom Ring. And think about it, the 4th of July weekend is a time when we gather together as a country to celebrate what? We celebrate our independence, we celebrate freedom. The freedom that was purchased for us a long time ago, the freedom that we still are able to live under and experience today. And so we're thankful for that freedom, but as you know, in the world that we live in today, that freedom many times comes under attack in a lot of different ways And I believe today that the world we live in, many are living without a real concept or idea of what freedom really is. And so on this special service, we're going to celebrate freedom, and we're going to talk about what true freedom really looks like, the kind of freedom that God's Word promises when Jesus said, if if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. That's the kind of freedom that is worth celebrating. And so you don't want to miss it next Sunday. It's going to be a great uh, service Uh, You can invite a friend. I'd encourage you. This would be a great time to invite someone that doesn't normally come to church. We're going to be able to share the good news of Christ and believe for many people to walk in his freedom for the very first time. We also have a special testimony that's going to be shared about someone who's experienced Christ's freedom in their life and how it's changed them and their entire family. You don't want to miss it. So come next Sunday. Uh, Come as a part of your uh, celebration and what you're planning with all your family, and uh, you don't want to miss it. We've got some cards printed for you in the back. And it's this graphic, let freedom ring on one side. And on the other side, it's just an invitation. Join us for a special service on July 3rd with our service times and information on how to get here. So would you do this, church? Would you pray for two or three people that God will put on your heart? And in this week, invite them. Invite them to come and be a part of what God has in store here. We're believing that this 4th of July weekend, God's gonna bring freedom to some hearts and lives. So, uh, so on the way out, can you do that? You'll take a few of these cards, you'll pray. I gotta hear you, church. You with me? You'll do that? All right. Praise God, and we're going to believe God to do a great work next Sunday. Continue to pray for VBS and pray for everything that's happening between now and then. Uh, we're just, we're so excited for what God has in store for us. All right, we're in God's word today. We're in Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm just going to pray for us as we open up uh, his word today. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the message series that we've been a part of, Lord. We've been learning about this very real battle, this very real struggle, Lord God, that is, uh, that is continually underway. It's influence and impacting us all around, Lord. And I thank you for the way that you've opened the eyes of our heart to understand these things, that the battle we face is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. It's against principalities and powers, Lord God, that have set themselves up against your will, against your purposes. And we thank you today, Lord, that you are victorious. And we thank you today that we can stand victorious in the midst of this battle. So Lord, continue to equip us. Holy Spirit, come, lead us, guide us, illuminate the word to us today so that we would not just be hearers, but doers of your word. Lord, help it to be applied to our lives now in a way that would bring lasting change. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, we've been walking through this series called Suit Up, and this is the final message in this series. I uh, pray that if you've missed any of them, you have a chance to go online at evangelchurch.com and catch up. We have been able to walk piece by piece through what the Bible says is the full armor of God that we see in Ephesians chapter six. And that armor is to help us in every battle that we would face in this life because there's very spiritual battles as the Bible says. And so Paul says that we should suit up and we should put on every piece of God's armor. Now it's amazing that in the book of Ephesians, it is called a prison epistle, a prison letter. It's a letter that Paul wrote while he was still in chains, in prison, and he wrote it out to a church in Ephesus. And while he's there and he's talking to them, this imagery comes out in the letter. Now imagine with me that you're Paul and he's sitting there. Many of the times as Paul was traveling or as he spent his days as a prisoner, he was chained to a Roman soldier. And so he would be looking at them. I can just imagine he's seeing all these pieces of armor and the Lord's revealing to him how spiritually there's that same armor that every believer needs to stand firm in and that there will be even greater victory, greater strength, greater power when we stand firm in the armor that God has provided to us. And we see that as he looks, and Paul's looking at this soldier that he's probably chained to, and he sees their feet fitted, he sees their breastplate on, he sees the belt around their waist, he sees the shield that they carry, and the sword that they have, and the helmet that they're wearing. And as he's seeing the Lord's revealing, no, it's righteousness as a chest plate. It's the belt of truth undergirding. It's the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit and the helmet of salvation. So these become the pieces of spiritual armor that you and I have to have, have to apply to our lives that we could stand firm so that we can have victory. See, our God is a victorious God. He's a God that is mighty and is powerful. And in the Old Testament, we see this kind of language used all the time by the prophets to describe God's power and his might. In fact, the Bible says in the Old Testament that God wore the very pieces of armor that Paul is describing. He said that the Lord, the Lord of hosts, is mighty and powerful he put on righteousness like a breastplate that he was fitted in those same ways that he had a helmet that brought salvation and so you see those same elements at play in scripture speaking that the Lord himself has those attributes has those pieces and now because of what Jesus has done that can now be on us we can be applied to our lives we can now walk in all of that Thanks be to God. And so let's read together here in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 14 through 18. Here's what the Bible says. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith by which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation... And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all, all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. So it gives the full pieces to this armor that is meant to be worn by the believer. And we've walked through every one of them, but the final one. And the final one is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, a Roman sword that was used in this day, there are many different titles that would be given for it. And so when you look at the actual Greek word, it's gladius. And gladius speaks to a very specific kind of sword. This is normally one, and I'll show you a picture of it here, that is between 12 inches to 20 inches long. So it's somewhere between here and here. So you're not seeing one of those giant knight swords that you'd see uh, in a medieval movie or a depiction of that day. This is a very short Sword, And it was used in battle and in close hand-to-hand combat. It's one that will be used if you're very close with your opponent and you're scrapping and in the trenches fighting it out. So it says that's likened to the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. This is a vital piece to the armor because every other piece that's been mentioned is for defense. It's to protect yourself. But the Bible says there's also an offensive weapon. There's one that you can go on the offense with that you can actually fight back against what the enemy's throwing at you and what the enemy's coming at you with. Every other one of them is meant to just stand your ground, but for this, this is one that can actually start to bring about victory because you can go on the offense. It could be used, it could be wielded in a certain way that would bring victory. Now we see that this sword is used in a very specific way and and shared about in a very specific way. It is the sword of the spirit, the Bible says, the word of God. And so in that, we need to see in this title the very important relationship between the Holy Spirit and God's Word. You see, God's Word to us is God's revealed Word. It's how He spoke the universe into being. By His Word, He created the universe. By His Word, we have a revelation of who God is. By His Word, we've seen everything that has come into being is here and is seen and visible to us. All that comes by the power of God's word, his rhema word. When he speaks, things happen. The Bible says the word then became flesh. It was Jesus revealed to us that God, who is the invisible God, became visible in Jesus. And the Bible says the word took on flesh. God hasn't left us alone ever. He didn't just give us his Holy Spirit. He gave us his word to lead and guide us so that we can know him. It's a revelation of who God is to us. And so we see that when we hold the Bible, we say we're holding the word of God. This is the word of the Lord. And you say, but pastor, wasn't this written by man, by people? Well, yes, from Moses and the Old Testament all the way through to the Apostle Paul or John who wrote the book of Revelation, yes, men penned the pages of Scripture. Then how is it God's word? Because the Bible isn't just a compilation of man's writing, but that the Holy Spirit is the divine author and he has been writing the word through each person that had put one of those pieces of pen to paper. And so the Bible testifies about itself in this very way. In Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, here's what the Bible says. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness so that The man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. We can see that this came together over thousands of years, but there is one divine thread that weaves together the pages of Scripture. It's not a bunch of stories, it's God's story. And it's told over thousands of years. And yet it's this one story, this one revelation of God of us, of his relationship, and how he went to great lengths so far that he would send his only son. And we could see that something that spans that great of amount of time has been inspired by the Holy Spirit, who has been hovering over the waters of creation, who has been working through the lives of individuals all along the way, who inspired these words and brings it to us today so that we could look and say, this is God's word. And it's not like a book that you would take that was written at some point in time and is only applicable to that day and age. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, that the word of God is living and active, that it's sharper than a double-edged sword, that it goes down deep to divide soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and that it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You see, the Holy Spirit is so at work, bringing the word of God to life in the hearts and lives of people. He leads and guides us in righteousness and into all truth. Jesus said when the Holy Spirit would come, he would guide you into all truth. What truth? The truth of God's word. His word is truth. In John chapter 17, I'm asking you to skip ahead if you could find that slide for me. John chapter 17, verse 17, here's what Jesus said when he prayed to the Father about those that were his followers. He said, sanctify them in the truth. Make them holy, refine them. Make them holy in the truth. Your word is truth. And so the Holy Spirit's job is to lead us into the truth of who God is and we know God through his word. And so there's this amazing relationship that's meant to happen between the Holy Spirit and the word of God. And many times what we'll see is these actually end up becoming two completely different entities. We seek the person of the Holy Spirit and his work in our lives and then that somehow many people can detach from the word of God, not seeing that they need to be seen in the same and and sought in the same way and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. See, many people, they run to the one end of the extreme and they want to study the word and pick it apart so much to the point where they're not seeking to have the Holy Spirit illuminate anything. It just becomes an academic pursuit black and white text and pull it apart and so far that they they're not seeking or allowing the Holy Spirit to bring anything to life and then on the other end of things people will be chasing so far after the move of the Holy Spirit that they will leave the word of God behind and be seeking after signs and wonders and things and and will no longer look for any of that to fall within the bounds of what God's word has revealed to us and then there's another extreme and both of these are dangerous because there needs to be a complete cooperation where the spirit is leading and guiding us into the truth of God's word and illuminating the path before us. I've heard it said by one person some years ago that the Holy Spirit is like a mighty rushing river and as he flows, the banks of that river is the word of God. And in the same way that as the spirit's moving within the banks, within the teaching of God's word, within the bounds of God's word, that there's power, there's force, there is life, There is movement, but if it's trying to run over the banks, number one, it's the Holy Spirit isn't going to work counter the word of God, the spirit. He will not do that. He won't violate God's truth and God's word. And so what's happening over the banks causes pain, causes destruction, and is normally the flesh. It's normally people that have good intentions that carry it beyond what God had ever intended. And so we need to be very mindful that as we seek to use and to stand in the Word of God we see as the sword of the Spirit as well, that we are yielding our lives to the Holy Spirit to lead us and establish us into God's truth. So it's important to have a Spirit-led life if we're going to continue to walk in and stand in the power of God's Word. I want to take us today to understanding how to use the sword of the Spirit. And we find a great illustration of this in the life and ministry of Jesus. If you turn with me to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4 is where we're going to spend just a few minutes. We're going to read what happened to Jesus when he found himself in the wilderness. You see, Jesus was in the wilderness after he had been baptized. And when he was there in the wilderness, temptation comes his way. Because there's a very real enemy. The same enemy that is warring against us was warring against Jesus. It wanted nothing more than him not to fulfill the purpose that he had in his life. The purpose is to go to the cross, to die for our sins, to purchase our salvation, and to redeem us from the curse. And so the enemy comes to Jesus while he's in the wilderness with temptation. Look with me here in Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 1. It says, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit, see the presence of the Holy Spirit there, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. And he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands, they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, on the other hand, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, the devil took him up to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said, all these things will be given to you if you just fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, go Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him. And behold, angels came and began to minister to him. Powerful, church. Powerful to see. I wish I could have queued up sound effects. Because every time the enemy threw an accusation or threw a temptation at him, you just heard just a sword clinging against it. Every time he had something for him in temptation, he came back with God's word. Do you see how the truth of God's word will keep you? It actually becomes a weapon that we use, that we stand in, that we find victory against temptation with. You see, but the enemy will come and he'll try to twist the scripture. You notice that right there in the middle. He says, because it's written, you know, the angels will come. And... See, the, we, we think that the, the enemy's ignorant to the things of God or to the word of God. He knows God's word probably better than you do. But when he came with half-truths and with twisted ideas, it was only Through that grounding in God's word, the word of God, Jesus stood and he had victory every single time. He could have just said, get behind me Satan. But each time he combated it with the word of God. God's same word has been given to us and we can know his word and through it we can find victory in times of temptation as we walk. This is how the very real struggle that we walk through can ultimately bring us to a point of victory. When you face temptation, when temptation to lose your temper comes about, when temptation to be greedy, a temptation to become discouraged, a temptation to indulge in sexual immorality or to sin in some way, a temptation to be selfish, a temptation to gossip or to cheat or to complain, a temptation to worry about matters that you're not supposed to be worrying about, a temptation to get high, to get drunk, to give away yourself and compromise, a temptation to become jealous, to speak ill of others. Whatever the temptation is, that if the Word of God is right there at your side, that at each temptation, you can find the truth of God's word to counter it, to route it, to push it away, to give you victory over it, and it will no longer have a foothold on you to grab you, to hold you. Because normally when a temptation comes, you go right to your mind and you start trying to weigh, rationalize, and reason. Well, technically, well, yeah, and let me, let me, we don't need our opinions. We don't need our idea of what truth is. We don't need our own thoughts. You know what we need? We need the word of the Lord. We need God's word. That's what we need in that moment. His word that will hold us, his word that is powerful. We can say, yes, this is what I think. Yes, this is what they say, but this is what you say, God. And when we come to that, and we stand on that truth, the same thing will happen. What did it say? When Jesus stood on the word of God, when he continued to stand, when he continued to wield the sword of the spirit, God's word, the enemy fled from him. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist him and he'll flee from you. And this is how that happens, is through the word of God, through us being rooted in it, through us knowing it, through us standing on it completely. So church, I'm concerned about the world that we live in today because I believe in one sense, the word of God has never been closer to our eyes. It has never been closer to us. Today, you can tell me any verse in any translation in about 12 seconds, I can find it for you. You want it in a different language that I don't speak? No problem, I can find it for you. The word of God is more accessible than it has ever been. It is closer to our eyes than it has ever been in history. And yet I believe it is farther from our hearts than it has ever been in history. I believe many, we have relied on the fact that it is at an arm's reach and realize that it was never meant to be at an arm's reach. It's always been meant to be right here in the depths of our heart. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I've hidden your word where? In my heart. Why? So that I might not sin against you. See, the absence of God's word in our heart, you know what will lead us? To sin. It'll lead us to step outside the bounds. You know why? Because we're not being held by his truth anymore. When the temptation comes and we don't have anything by our side, you know, it's it's like we went into battle and the sword isn't there and we're just standing there. You can hold your ground only for so long, but God has given you his word for victory, for relief, for the enemy then to flee from you. And so we see that and we, have that need, desire. It's built into us that we would hide God's word in our hearts that we would not sin against him. And so I want us to understand how to best use, sharpen, and prepare the sword of the spirit that is the word of God so that we can have it as a part of the armor that God has equipped us with. There are going to be three things that I want to just put before you today. And the first is that you would know God's word, that you would know the word. We must know the word. You saw how important it was that in that moment that jesus is tempted in the wilderness he didn't say hold on one second let me go let me see any verses about bread oh, man i don't have service right now i'm sorry i don't have any wi-fi man oh, okay i'll do it you know that's what happens we we think well we can just sit out of fingers it's at the edge of my fingertips i can find it but when it's hidden in your heart that at any moment the enemy could have thrown anything he wanted he said well that's jesus yeah, but guess what? A- any Jewish boy at that time would have memorized those same verses, those same texts. They would have committed it to memory. They wouldn't have just written it somewhere on a scroll and placed it in their closet. They would have had it in their heart, so they could know it. Then you can apply it to your life. Then you can apply it to circumstances around you. So it's so vitally important to know the word, to know it. And the, the term I want you to think about when you think about knowing the word is you need to know it deep and wide, just like the song that you sang when you were younger. Deep and wide that we need to understand the depths of God's word and actually dig down, not just a surface level. I believe that we're suffering. We're, we're malnourished in the word today because we're eating scripture McNuggets. We're eating little portions of it, little ideas, little shallow understanding of it. We're diving into and understanding the depths of God's word. And we're not reading wide enough often. We just go to these little proof texts and small passages, but it's so important for us to know the grand story of God's word, the big picture of what he's doing. See, the sword has been provided with an open Bible before us, but we need to take hold of it and know it and carry it with us. So deep and wide, think about those ideas with me. First, it starts with reading larger portions of Scripture. Don't just read a few verses. Don't just read one chapter. Read a larger portion. Get the big picture of what's happening. Understand it in that moment. You want to read those larger portions. And as a, as a, just as Christians over time, I believe that Bible reading is going further and further down. And over a couple years ago, I've been praying that we would see that turn around. And so as a church, I want you to know we're committed to helping you in this way. We want you to know God's word. I want you to know God's word and to walk in it. And a couple years back, we started on a journey. And it's a journey that has really come in, developed into a vision that the, I feel the Lord has given me for this house and for this season for us. That in five years as a church, we will have read through the entire Bible together as a body, as a whole church. Then in five years, a period of five years, we would have read through the entirety of Scripture. And so we started this two years ago. If you remember, we did a series of messages called See Like Jesus leading up to Easter. And what we did is we read through the entirety of the Gospels in the 40 days leading up to Easter. How many of you remember that? You're a part of that. Wasn't it powerful to be able to read God's Word, to really rest in it, to really come together in community to pray and to spend time meditating on His Word? God did something powerful during that season. I know I've heard many of the testimonies. Then as we went into last year, coming out of Easter, we did a series called New in 42. And it was the story of the church that changed the world. We started in Acts and we went all the way to Revelation. That's the rest of the New Testament. So in two years, church, you read through the entire New Testament of Scripture. And not only that, you spent time in community talking about it, praying about it. Diving deeper into God's Word. And so that's the first two years. Now, over the next three years, we will read through the entirety of the Old Testament by taking one season each year and committing to a Bible reading plan as an entire church. And so, after this sermon series that we have here on Suit Up, we're going to have next week's message, which is entitled Let Freedom Ring, and then we're starting a new series called Epic, which is called God Sized Stories. We're going to start in the book of Joshua. we're going to go all the way through to 2 Kings. Many of your children, they have summer reading. Guess what? You just got summer reading as well. You have a summer reading plan that we're going to put in front of you. We'll start giving it out next week. It'll start on the 11th. That's my anniversary, our wedding anniversary, 11th of uh, July. Uh, It'll go all the way through to the end of the summer. And over 40 days, you'll be able to read a big chunk of God's word with some amazing God-sized stories. Think about stories like Samson, the stories of Saul and David and the kings, and, and you see even all into Elijah and Elisha. There's some amazing things that are happening in God's word. And our prayer is that this summer, you'll begin to see God's word in a different way and that God will begin to birth God-sized stories in your life as you walk in all that he has for you. So we want you to commit to that reading plan. We want you to pick up the bookmarks starting next week and commit yourself to reading and knowing God's word in a wide way, amen? Amen, Amen. so that's the goal for Epic, and that's a big part of us fulfilling this greater goal of reading larger sections of scripture together. Let's go back to knowing God's word. So the first part is you wanna read deep and wide. You wanna understand it uh, in in a broad sense, but you also wanna go deep in God's word, and that happens through meditating on his word. Spending time reflecting on it. Not just reading in a glossary sense to get through, but read it to understand and to know God. And not just to know what it means, but to know what the Holy Spirit wants to teach you in that moment. And so that, that's really an important part of meditating on his word. You'll see in Psalm chapter 119 verse 27, it's later on after he says, I've hidden my wor- your word in my heart, he says, make me understand the way of your precepts, so that I may meditate and will meditate on your wonders. That as there's understanding, you meditate on God's word, you begin to really understand what he does and who he is and and understand him more. And so it's important to spend time reflecting, meditating on the word of God and going deeper into what God would want to reveal with you in those moments. That can happen also through journaling, through your time in God's word, spending time in that way. And finally, memorizing scripture. Committing scripture to memory. In that moment, when Jesus is in the wilderness, he's quoting scripture. And that's coming out of what has already been deposited in his heart. If you've not been doing that, and that's not a part of the disciplines in your life, I would encourage you, grow that muscle. You have verses that probably pop up every day. A little verse reminder, a verse here. Commit it to memory. See if you can memorize it. I bet you, if you set a goal to memorize one verse a week, you would do it. You would do it. You wouldn't even turn back. You'd realize it. You'd have 52 verses memorized by the end of a year. Some of you, would realize you could memorize more verses than that. The most amazing part of it is not that you'll be able to quote it in some kind of competition form. Or if someone says, hey, do you know any verses about bread? No, it's not about that. But when temptation comes, when there's an opportunity, whenever there's a divine appointment that God puts in your path, you say, you know what God's word says? And you'll know it. You'll know it that you know it. Not because I said it, not because you heard it. Because you committed it to memory. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, Lord. Something happened when I was in high school. I took part in this ministry called Bible Quiz, and it's a great ministry. We have it here at the church. We have Junior Bible Quiz. And whenever those students that are going in either in elementary through middle school get into high school, Bible Quiz changes. That you don't memorize questions and answers or concepts, you actually memorize just the word and uh, they every year will have at least one book of the Bible that the entire year is spent on in Bible quiz. And the first year, right after I got saved, they were doing the Gospel of John. And so I wanted to get involved. I wanted to grow in my faith. I got in, and I tried to memorize Scripture. Out of the hundreds and hundreds of verses in John's Gospel, I probably memorized four of them in a whole year. Uh, I wasn't as committed as I needed to be, and it was really, really hard uh, to just get into it in that way. And so I was pretty discouraged by the end of the year, but we had a great time. Well, I made a goal that next year that I would, I would commit myself to memorizing God's word. It was going to be over Hebrews, First and Second Peter, three books of the Bible. And I say, God, by your grace, within a year, I'm going to memorize them all. And I committed myself with my team members. By the end of that year, I was able to commit all of those books to memory, uh, every verse in, in, in those books. And, um, and we would quote them, and we would practice them. And that year was a great year on that term. But I want to tell you, it's been more than 10 years since then. And those verses still come right here. Not every single one of them, but the ones that I know the Lord needed to implant in my heart. That at times when I'm talking about the power of God's word, I'm reminded of Hebrews 4.12. There was a time as I was studying for this message, it wasn't in any of the notes that I had, but God just put a word in 2 Peter that I had memorized years and years ago about his great and precious promises that I will close today's message with. It wasn't because I found it anywhere else in my study. It's because the Holy Spirit in prayer just dropped into my heart. That's the power of if we memorize God's word, we commit it to memory, the Holy Spirit then brings it to remembrance at the exact time of need. And so it's so important for you to do that. And so again, you want to know God's word by reading. Reading God's word, read wide, read deep. Meditate on his word and memorize scripture. Memorize his word so that you know it and you carry it in your heart. After that, we also want to share God's word with others and I'll invite Pastor Rick and the worship team to come at this time. You want to share his word with others. As you know his word, We know it, not just for our own benefit, not just for the battle that we're in, but also that we could share it with others. We have become those that are called to share the good news, the the word of the Lord. We're there to share with others. So if you have a friend or someone that's going through a time of need or a trial, don't just give them your opinion. Don't just give them your ideas. Don't just give them some advice. Give them the word of God. Share with them God's word. Some of them, if they know the Lord, they're going to be encouraged and built up by that and strengthened. If they don't know the Lord, perhaps it can be an open door to share the gospel, the word of God's power and his salvation with others. That's the power of God's word and that we are called to share it with others. Finally, we want to pray the word. As we go to God in prayer, don't just let that you know you want to share your heart you want to speak from your heart but allow as you pray to pray the word of God pray the promises of God from his word and what you do and you see this even happening in scripture where God's people would stand for and say but Lord you you said this I'm standing on your promise today put your trust in his promise today and as you do that and as you pray the word, allow that to be a part of you standing in faith and you trusting in what God is doing and what he's leading and guiding you in. Because as we do that, we're standing and resting in his powerful promises. And as we know his word and as we understand them, then we understand his promises even more. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. says, his divine power, Jesus, it's given us everything we need for a godly life through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And it says that he, Jesus, through this, we have been given his very great and precious promises so that through them, we can participate in his divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. The enemy's come and he's given so much that we battle through, but... Christ has given us everything we need, the Bible says. Through his divine nature, through his power, through his might, we have that. And not only that, we have his promises. And that through the power of that, we can avoid, we can escape, we can be set free from so many of the corrupt things that will happen in this world caused by evil desires. But it causes us to need to stand in his word, stand in the power of his word, to know it, to share it, to pray it, to rest in. His word, And as we do that, we have the sword of the spirit, the word of God, fastened tightly to our side. Today, church, as we get ready to end this series of messages, I wanted to pray over you and I want you to pray as well. You know, for you, don't let this just be a series of messages because I believe this is about preparation for your everyday life because that's where the battlefield is. Every single day as you step into your life, you need to have the breastplate of righteousness. You need to have the shield of faith. You need to have the sword of the spirit. Don't be lacking in any way. And so here's what you can do in a very practical sense. I thought about this. How can this just really hit home with each one of us? Well, every single one of us, I hope for the most part, we get dressed every day, right? You're still with me, right? (laughs) Not a lot of you are getting dressed every day, I guess. What if every day as you're getting dressed and as you're putting on your shoes, Say, Lord, make my feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Maybe some of you haven't memorized scripture. Commit this passage to memory. And as you're there, and as you're fastening something on your shirt, Lord, I put on the breastplate of righteousness, so I stand in your righteousness today. As you're doing your hair, Lord, I put on the helmet of salvation today, Lord. I stand in your victory, Lord God. I stand in your power today, Lord. I stand in hope of what you're gonna do. As you're putting something on one of your wrists or on your hands, Lord, Lord, I take up the shield of faith today, Lord. I trust you. I stand in your power and your victory. Lord, I take up the sword of the spirit, Lord, your word today. In every way, in every part, as you're putting on your very belt, as you're fastening it right around your waist, say, Lord, the belt of truth undergird me, hold me, keep me today. Let that be a part of your prayer time. Let that be a part of your preparation to enter into every day in the same way that you would not walk out of your house not clothed. Don't walk out into this life and into this day that's ahead of you without putting on God's armor, amen? And stand fitted, stand prepared, stand ready in every single way. So would you stand with me today? And I'm going to just read God's word over you today. And I'm just going to pray that as I do that, would you just begin to make it your prayer in each part of it that we cover, that God would establish you and firmly fit you in every way. Thank you, Jesus. God's word says to stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness, thank you, Lord, that comes from the gospel of peace. Lord, in addition to this, we take up the shield of faith, which we can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Lord, we put on the helmet of salvation, and we take up the sword of the Spirit that is the word of God. And Lord, we pray today in the Spirit, Lord God, and we'll pray in all occasions, Lord, with all kinds of prayers and requests, Lord God, knowing that you've given us everything we need for victory, for life, for godliness. So Lord, sanctify us with your truth. Holy Spirit, lead us. As we seek you, as we follow you, and as you will lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank the Lord. Praise the Lord. He's so good. We're going to close today in worship. And I want you today to enter in and just whatever the Lord would have for you, would you continue to rest in that? If you need prayer, we're going to have altar workers. I invite altar workers, please come forward. If you need to slip out at any time, you're free to go. Please make sure that you pick up some cards on your way out, though. We want you to invite some people to come and be a part of our service next week. Let Freedom Ring. We're believing for God to do a great work, that His Spirit will bring great freedom to many hearts and lives. God bless you. Have a great week.